Hello, welcome to another edition of Podcast Gold. Uh, Robinson Ralph's having an answer. Hello, everyone. And having an answer today, as usual, is me and him. Yep, that's me. Yep. Uh, so that's what we'll be talking about: um, cases and um, just yeah, mainly one case. So in fact, just one it's case. Just one. Sorry to just don't oversell it. You know, I've oversold. Yeah, it. I, I mean, there's two oversellings going on there. Pod, one podcast goal. Yeah. No, the implication we're going to talk about more than one case yeah i mean i messed up from the word go haven't i but yeah. um this is an interesting case because um we can't tell you what it's called no well, we don't think we can anyway we're not sure we can there's a restricted reporting order apparently in place we're not 100 sure about that but we don't want to take the chance no. to go to jail no exactly so on the, the tribunal website's got the name of the one of the respondents it doesn't have the name of the claimant no. or the second respondent in the there are four judgments on the tribunal the first one the First respondent doesn't have the name, but then the name does appear, but we're not going to risk it. So this case is going to be called X, M, V, Y, and Z. Yeah. Or Z, V, Y, and Z, or slash Z, if you're if you're um, American. If you're listening to this in America, you have even less reason to listen to it if you are American. Yeah. So um, now this is a case, but you, you'll, have, you'll have seen it in the papers. Dave and I both did excellent posts on it. Both, both posts equally as good. Equally good, yeah. Although Dave's has had significantly more um, coverage and interaction. Which I'm, you know, Possibly because mine was shared with a, the image of a peach, which many people found. Alluring. Well, I like to the think just taste quite nice. I, I like to think it's that rather than that it was better written. Yeah, um, and that's no. yeah, definitely wasn't that. <laughs> so, um, so I mean, it, it talked about the uh, the harassment that the um, the claimant suffered, and I think it is just worth you know pointing out that um, we, we will talk about that. But all of the allegations against the second respondent were dismissed for being out of time. So yeah. the damages that were awarded, it kind of in the papers made it look like it was it was linked to that. Well, it wasn't because they were they were out of time. I think that's a fair. Yeah, it was still background because it was background to the resignation and therefore the constructive unfair mm. dismissal. But yeah, the the harassment was in terms of what was um, upheld and in time was was more around the way the grievance was conducted, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a it's a excellent judgment, long but but excellent. We enjoyed reading every word didn't we oh yes it was it was it was it was very well written and um so so we'll talk about it in, in brief so the, the claimants um uh, effectively joins this this business she ends up working with the second respondent um as a, as a colleague and they get on uh, extremely well and the tribunal say that um it was rough apparent that they shared a love of food, quick fire humour and a relentless drive to achieve their objectives. From a very early stage, they had adopted electronic messaging via Teams as a major method of communication between them. This was alongside face-to-face -face contact, telephone conversations, texts, LinkedIn messaging and email. The transcript of the Teams messages in this case ran over 600 pages in a compressed format. Had that been in screenshot format with the timestamps of each message, it would probably have been five times that volume. So they started out getting on um, very well. And the tribunal said that the communication, were, uh, which was personal, not work-related, and they, the tribunal said it, is extraordinary. It reflects from much of the material time, September 2019 to June 2020, inclusive and obvious enjoyment of each other's company, which goes far beyond a good working relationship. That is 
absolutely apparent from our reading of many messages, which included a great deal of playful and humorous exchanges. Um, those which cross the line and reveal romantic intent from the second respondent are a drop in the ocean by volume of the intense non-work-related and work-related communications. And I thought it was quite interesting that at this point the, the, the judgment notes that it would have been entirely unsurprising mm. for the claimant or the second respondent at some point to wish to progress matters to a romantic relationship, which yeah. is perhaps a little bit of judicial recognition that relationships in the workplace in, are not in themselves unlawful, do not become sexual harassment simply because they are a romantic relationship between a manager and a subordinate. No, no. Um, Although there is a question of the wisdom of a manager doing that because yeah. of favouritism. Yeah. So. Um, so they're not in themselves, the that, but uh, yeah, you know, everybody has to be really careful, yeah. um, don't they? Because people are much more aware of the existence of sexual harassment laws and, and so on. And um, it, it doesn't take um, much for, for things to go wrong, as we'll, we'll see here. No, and the, the real problem that the second respondent had was that the, claim, the, the claimant, despite getting on very well with, with, um, with this, uh, this uh, second respondent, she expressed to him that a romantic relationship was not her wish, and very clearly not her wish, um, because um, of her commitment to work and uh, her culture. But for whatever the reason, she, she made it clear that a romantic relationship wasn't her wish and there was various incidents uh, quoted in, in the the judgment the november 2019 allegations that includes the the peach emoji which is the the one that's been used i think on, on a lot of the newspapers um uh and uh, but that 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 all those incidents there the tribunal said that the november allegation 20 november 2019 allegations um we would not find in the context we described that November allegations have the prohibited effect at the time. And I only make that point because when you read the paper or or you look at it, you think that somehow the peach. Yeah, there was reference to the claimant's friend describing the, the manager, the second respondent, as extremely weird. But yeah. The tribunal said, well, if you just show your friend the couple of yeah. messages that you've just received and say it's your manager, that might be a natural interpretation, but actually the claimant was aware that they they did have a much deeper and more friendly and more jokey um, personal relationship. Yeah. Um, and the, the claimant at that stage wasn't feeling harassed by by the uh, by the emojis and the, some of the texts. Yeah, absolutely. So there was there was the this conduct in January 2020 when um a when he realized things weren't gonna um happen he, he felt jilted by by the by the claimant's comment that she didn't really want to be with anyone and he, he was texting say sorry for being a bit moody last night a good time kiss not obvious i do really like you but i'm not the best at saying it so i'm cool of you don't feel the same way and i wouldn't want to change anything but just wanted to let you know and then he went on to do anything other than be cool um, and kept texting her um and uh, say missed you by the way, I missed you because we had a laugh and she was trying to ignore all of this kind of stuff. Um, missed you because we had a laugh the last few days today. I'm having a, a poor day. That's not the right word, but I'm, I'm editing it. That's all. Don't panic. And the judge says, well, that implied by his injunction, by his, uh, by his injunction against panic, that he was aware that his earlier text was likely to convey the sense that he was romantically interested. And then this was a pattern of behavior whereby R2 would test the water by making a romantic advance and then purport falsely to have acted platonically. And um, he, he, um, he, he goes on to, to send various texts and, and then says, oh, is it too late to pretend I, I didn't send it? And 
it, it becomes very, uh, very um, uh, in, intense. And at one point, uh, the, the, the claimant says that it caused a distress. And we, in the tribunal says, we accept it's entirely like the very authentic description of the duvet being pulled over her head as she read the message in her hotel room far from home, knowing that she was due to travel north by train with the second respondent that morning. She'd walked a delicate line between intense friendship with her boss and romance. The second respondent had now, second respondent had now made the unequivocal declaration that he did, and it was on welcome and they said awkward is a fair description of the second respondents overt pursuit of romance and they said yeah that's yeah that's not a, a finding i imagine he enjoyed reading no and and they said well we conclude that the january declaratory conduct had the prohibited effect applying all three statutory elements but including that the claimant's embarrassment and awkwardness was corroborated by messages to friends at the time. She was troubled and upset and was trying to rebuff in a lighthearted way. The second respondent's conduct was not by January trivial or transitory and the claim was foreseeing further problems. She communicated to her friend from whom we heard about the message on 25th of January and uh, Mr. M said he's behaving like a stalker. Um, so um, yes, th then there was further conduct. Um, yeah, there was quite a lot wasn't there it was yeah. found not to be sexual yeah. harassment so for example uh, a comment to the effect well a comment that i have lots of spies around the business what did x email you about to the to the claim with x being one of the other uh, managers um so you know he was jealous of another manager wasn't he? yeah that, well that was the that was the allegation, yeah, that was the, allegation. Um, the tribunal found that um actually that didn't have the prohibited effect. That wasn't harassment. It didn't yes. cause her to be uh, intimidated or offended or or anything or violate her dignity. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you read some of the press reports of this case, you might think, well, clearly this should have settled. But actually, there was quite a lot more to it than the allegations that made it to the, to mm. the press. And there were a number of allegations brought forward that weren't ultimately found to be sexual harassment, and clearly would have been denied as being sexual. Harassment. That's not to play down the effect of the accusations that were sexual harassment. Of course, they were. Um, you know, th th those were were serious uh, allegations. But uh, there was a lot more to it than just just that. Just what was upheld. Well, and actually, I think you could argue that the way it's been reported in some areas has has not helped because it no. it made it look as if it was these comments that resulted in a yeah in a, in a payout, and it, and it and it's um it wasn't because some of the later stuff was out of time. Which then, if there wasn't that continuing act, would have produced, would have meant this earlier stuff wasn't in time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anymore. Okay. So, um, eventually, um, uh, in response to it, the judgment, says the totality of the second respondent's conduct, the claimant gave notice of her resignation to take effect three months later. Now, the tribunal did find that the claimant's allegation of victimization. Um, sorry, the claimant's complaints against the um, first respondent of harassment during the grievance and the paid process uh, succeeded. And the claimant's allegation of victimization, um, that by email at 4.40 on the 10th of August, um, uh, it refused to accept the claimant's formal withdrawal, withdrawal notice of resignation succeeded as well. So do you want to talk a little bit about um, Yeah, that? absolutely. So the backdrop to the re resignation um, wasn't just the sexual harassment, but was also negotiations around salary and business structure and the claimant hadn't been awarded the salary that she felt that she um, should have been awarded and in fact had been agreed with her manager um, and they were all trying to get signed they're both trying to get sign off for that so she resigns um, in her resignation letter she doesn't make any mention um, 
uh, initially of the uh, sexual harassment. Um, she mentions the, the salary issue. Uh, he then speaks to her, the manager speaks to her and says, what do you want to raise a grievance about this? She says, no, I think it's best if I um, uh, resign. But then when she does resign, um, uh, so, so it's a formal letter, uh, she, uh, it, it's clearly in the language of, of constructive dismissal, breach of trust and confidence, um, uh, doesn't mention the romantic conduct, but focuses on the failure to deliver on salary. So uh, because of the way it's it's phrased, um, the company decided, well, we can't just uh, sort of accept this. We need to do something about it. Um, we need to uh, investigate this. Um, and then uh, it becomes apparent um, when they're starting to investigate it, the grievance, the claimant believes that part of the reason she has, in fact, been rebuffed in her salary expectations was because she rebuffed the second respondent in his romantic uh, intentions. Um, so uh, <coughs> moving on then to the parts of the claim that were upheld, will they revolve around the, the or upheld and were in time, will they revolve around the way the grievance was conducted? And the tribunal says that um, we find that uh, Miss Diggles uh, and Miss Kennedy, uh, who were the ones who were charged with investigating the uh, grievance, um, uh, determined from an early stage that the grievance was uh, likely being made in uh, bad faith. So they investigate it. Um, they invite the claimant to a meeting to discuss the uh, outcome uh, and um, they uh, say that although there'd been inappropriate behaviour from the second respondent, um, they didn't feel that that would be sexual harassment, uh, which, you know, in the context of sending uh, peach emojis and invitations out for dinner and so on, um, is quite hard to, to justify. And the tribunal said that Miss Kennedy clearly had an, uh, an apparent blind spot about the plain and obvious romantic overtures. They generally assessed her to be an honest witness, um, but uh, when she was pressed about her findings on romantic overtures, her evidence lost its ring of authenticity. She was in difficulties explaining her thought process. So um, preferring to find that there was no romantic intention behind these messages uh, was without uh, any sort of satisfactory explanation. And tribunal found that Miss Kennedy and Miss Diggles were in denial about the undoubted romantic conduct and it, its influence on others. And I think we should say this in case anyone listening to this criticises us. We're not calling it romantic conduct. This is what the judges called it. Those yeah. of you listening to it might say, well, it was harassment. So why are you calling it romantic conduct? That's not our language. No, yeah. Romantic overtures is what, yeah, what yeah. They, they've described it as in, yeah. the, in the judgment. Um, so it, it will rarely be the case, as the tribunal said, where the investigation of a grievance about harassment or discrimination um, morphs into further harassment or discrimination, but this was one such uh, case. Um, so the, the, the tribunal found that the purpose of exculpating the second respondent, um, sorry, the purpose of the, the, the investigation to the grievance and the outcome had been from the start to uh, exculpate the second respondent from the stigma of a finding of sexual harassment by all and any means. Um, whether by attributing blame to the claimant or comparing his behaviour to uh, the, the claimant. So that in, in itself violated the claimant's dignity and was an act of harassment. Was it related to sex? Well, the tribunal found and, and, and um, you know, 
bear in mind that um, you are not uh, you are not protected from an allegation of discrimination simply because you bear the same protective characteristic as the person who's making the allegation. That's, um, that's so an interesting line, isn't it? Subconsciously consider the mental processes were influenced by stereotypical notions of sex and roles and seeking to play down mere romantic overtures and their consequences. Yeah, absolutely. So to, de to deny the plain and obvious finding, um, Ms. Diggles identified and rejected, uh, sorry, to identify, Ms. Diggles identified and rejected the complaint of sexual harassment that in all the circumstances of the case and was unwanted conduct uh, related to uh, sex. Um, so yeah, the, the victimization claim, uh, so it was alleged that the company had not allowed the claimant to rescind her resignation because she had alleged sexual harassment against the, the second respondent. So that was also um, upheld. Uh, tribunal found that really, well, they needed somebody to do that job. They'd already started the recruitment process to get a replacement for her. Uh, and, and therefore there was a, a prima facie case that, that actually the, the, the reason for not allowing her to rescind her resignation was um, uh, was the fact that she'd alleged discrimination, so a protected act, uh, and the respondent was unable to dissuade the tribunal from that preliminary finding. So you were you were saying earlier about the the effect of the respondent's <coughs> sort of efforts to try and protect itself, weren't you? Well, yeah, that's right. At paragraph one six six of the judgment, it says it was also clear in accepting the second respondent's defence, uh, Mr. Gallagher's response was seeking to defend a sexual harassment case. Um, as Miss Reynolds Curry had indicated, would be their purpose. Mr. Gallagher said so in his written questions to the second respondent. Mr. Gallagher's oral evidence was that he was seeking to stress the importance of this matter to the second respondent, and on balance, his questioning of the second respondent was about challenging it. We find Mr. Gallagher was frustrated that the first respondent would be facing such a claim, not least because he had had to determine agreements in a previous allegation involving different colleagues in 2018. Nonetheless, the comment also in the conscious process of his mindset and that of um, uh, Ms. Reynolds carried that the appeal assertions were to be defended as the basis of a claim rather than determined impartially. Um, okay. Uh, and then it goes on to say that had the written outcome appeared to contain more balance, for example, giving an impression that evidence was considered supporting that the prohibited effect occurred at the time, as well as evidence that it hadn't. Um, uh, had it been fuller and fair in relation to the salary issues, the sought after inference from the uh, unfortunate internal communication that was not impartial may have been challenged. Um, okay, so Mr. Gallagher, in our judgment, subconsciously adopted a sex-related stereotype to find against the claimant. In doing so, he engaged in further unwanted conduct related to sex, which, applying all three aspects, had the prohibited effect in the way pleaded. Uh, we find these allegations made out as harassment related to sex. So the point you were making earlier, of course, is that effectively the company has identified they're likely to face a sexual harassment claim. Yeah. They're thinking, we don't want this, we'll try and avoid it. If we've got a grievance outcome that doesn't uphold those allegations and finds against the claimant, then that'll look good in tribunal. Um, and uh, unfortunately, the tribunal saw right through that and said, well, 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 no, actually, you've just done this because you've identified you might be facing an allegation. Um, and in order to achieve that desired result, uh, which is not upholding the, the, the allegations, you've made discriminatory assumptions and, and treated the claimant in a discriminatory way. So, I mean, yeah, lesson to be learned from that is, is clear. It is much better to um, deal with uh, a grievance, deal with these sorts of allegations in good faith. If those allegations are upheld, 
that's where you are. It's generally speaking going to be much better. They're upheld in agreements. Investigation early on when you can do something about it, you can maybe offer to repair the relationship with the claimant. You can potentially discipline the perpetrator. Um, uh, you know, if the relationship is broken down to such an extent that the, the, there's no way the claimant's ever going to want to, or potential claimant's ever going to want to come back to work, then you, know, you can look to exit under a, a settlement agreement and both parties might be able to find a mutually acceptable um, resolution. But um, uh, yeah, hoping against hope that something that isn't, that is clearly sexual harassment is going to be found by a tribunal not to be sexual harassment is, is only going to lead to adverse consequences yeah. uh, and here the compensation was quite high wasn't it yeah it was well just before we get on to that there is there is a there is a line that the judgment says where it says mr gallagher who's the appeal hearing um officer it said he perpetrated perpetuated a stereotype of the claimant as a scheming femme fatale who had sought to make money from the second respondent's pursuit um offer and would not have presented agreements had unreasonable salary demands been met there appears to be no insight at all into the position into which the claim was placed by the second respondent's very ill-advised declarations and conduct, some of which have been found, some of which we would have found harassment subject to limitation. Mm-hmm. And the, the remedy um, judgment, um, have you got the figure there? Yeah, it's just short of £420,000, pence uh, <clears throat> with tax and grossing up uh, accounting for 134,914 pounds of that so uh, yep. mr taxman will have been very very, very pleased happy, so the yeah. claimant won't have received all, all of that but certainly yeah. best part of three three hundred thousand and what was recognized in the judgment and it's rarely seen in practice but it's something that we always have to bear in mind as practitioners that um, obviously, discrimination can cause psychiatric injury as mm. well as injury to feelings. Yep. So here there was an award for injury to feelings of £24,000, and that's in the mid-band of Vento. But there was also an award um, of £30,000 for psychiatric injury to reflect the um, uh, the, the actual psychiatric yeah. injury that the claimant had suffered over and above um, mere injury, injury to feelings, yep. which, of course, is... I mean, sounds a bit wishy-washy, doesn't it? Injury to feelings. I yeah. mean, sorry, I mean, it's not. It's um, it's uh, there to reflect the fact that being discriminated against and harassed is 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 quite distressing. Um, but it it does fall short of having suffered an actual psychiatric injury. Um, you don't need to show you've suffered a psychiatric injury if you have. Then there's the potential for additional compensation to be to be awarded. All right. Well, we hope that helps. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>